You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today I want to have a little bit of fun. I've been kind of chomping at the bit to do this. I've been thinking about maybe doing YouTube videos, which I may still do. I don't know. Um, But I find it more exciting than hammering the same five topics over and over and over. I even went and did a poking around at all the different podcasts that Packers podcasts are doing, Bears, Vikings, every other podcast I could find, just looking at the titles. Like, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, these are all not interesting. (laughs) I am not talking about that. That's stupid. Good for them for muscling through them, but we got to figure something else out. So today we are going to talk about 2024. And in a sense, we're still talking about 2023 because what we're doing is we're reading 2023 into 2024 looking ahead into the future and saying, okay, based on what our team is, what are the areas we're going to need help with? And the one thing I was thinking about as I was sitting down to do this, you know, there are so many variables. And, and so what I'm not going to do is actual mock drafts where it's like, okay, with the first pick, the Arizona Cardinals, which by the way, did you know they're projected to get the number one and number two picks in the draft this year, depending on who you ask? How freaking crazy is that? Cardinals are projected to get the number one overall pick. The Texans who gave their pick to the Cardinals are projected to go number two. So that's fantastic. I guess they need it. That's been such a horrifically garbage team for such a long time. What a joke. But I'm not going to say, you know, well, with the first pick the Cardinals get, with the second pick the Cardinals get, we're just going to look at the Packers in each spot. And we're going to drum up different scenarios. But the thing that I found interesting about it is when you factor in the Packers likely getting the Jets' first round pick, there's almost no area in the draft where it would be unlikely, or I shouldn't say unlikely, but um, I guess unlikely to the point of not being worth talking about from 1 to 32. I mean, 32 might be a bit of a reach. I don't think either team is winning a Super Bowl, but I think it'll be a good opportunity for us to do a couple things. Number one, assess the roster and the different possibilities, right? How many weeks have I spent saying we don't know? Well, let's look at a couple of these things that we don't know, like we don't know about Jordan Love. Okay, what if he's not the answer? What do we do? We don't know about the wide receivers. What are the possibilities that we end up looking for one? I would guess relatively low, but what if Christian Watson remains just kind of good, not great, and he's the only one? I think it's a possibility. Tight end, probably not so much. Offensive line, kind of across the board, I think is a possibility. Running back is unlikely in the first round, but I think as a potential thing we may want to do. Defensive tackle, as much as I would like to say that there's no way, I think there certainly is a way. We're very thin at defensive tackle, especially when you look at Kenny and go, I don't know how much longer we should put up with that. Then you got Wyatt, who, you know, he could have a bad year. And then what do we have? Nothing. We got some mid to late round picks and a a nose tackle that's never done anything. Edge is relatively unlikely, but Preston isn't exactly a young buck. So we got Rashawn and Lucas Van Ness and some maybe capable backups. Corner seems unlikely until you look at it and say, what if Stokes is a no-go? Razul isn't a long-term option, so we got Jair and what? I know everyone's super geeked about Keyshawn, but yeah, he's fine. And then, of course, safety's an option. So you got 
most of the positions are at least worth talking about. And you've got the range of pretty much the entire first round to talk about these things. So in a weird way, we're kind of just talking about some prospects that are coming up. But we're going to try to make it somewhat realistic in terms of this could happen next year. Okay? I know some people get... I've been putting it off because some people get so pissy about it. How dare you talk about the draft until 30 seconds before the draft? I understand. But for the love of God, if you want to listen to where the Packers wide receivers rank in the NFL, I mean, how many times can we hear that from all these different NFL entities? That's all they do the entire offseason. Ranking the top quarterbacks, ranking the rosters, ranking the running backs, ranking the... We've been doing that. For it feels like five years straight. Enough. So anyways, before we get started, why don't we um, talk about a couple different things. For example, some news and notes, or details, rather, about the 2024 draft. So 2024 is going to be in Detroit. I can't imagine that's going to be a good thing, but who knows? They might put on a heck of a show. I just, I don't know, man. I remember being in Detroit a couple times. The one time I was training in Detroit at the airport to be a baggage handler. This is when I was out of high school. It was a sweet job, man. Flying all over the place. And then the second time is when we took that bus from Whitewater to Windsor, Canada. And I remember the bus driver's like, we got to stop for gas. And everybody's on the, on the bus is like, I don't give a crap. We ain't stopping now. You should have stopped 20 minutes ago, bro. What are you, stupid? You pushed this thing on fumes right into Canada. We ain't stopping here. Are you nuts? But they're going to have the draft there, I guess. Actually, let me look at it for a second. It's going to be held around campus... Martius Park at Hart Plaza in Detroit, Michigan. I'm sure there's like a good spot in Detroit, right? Oh, wow. That is that is right downtown. I mean, that is... You can throw a stone and hit Windsor from there. That seems nice. I don't know. So anyways, that's where that is. And then just looking into the first round, some of the trades that we have, obviously Carolina and Chicago with the um, trade-up to the number one pick with Chicago last year. Chicago will get Carolina's pick, which also reminds me, just so you know, we are all huge Bryce Young fans right now. Remember when I said about Anthony Richardson in terms of I hope he really blows up so that everybody stops paying attention to Justin Fields? Let that go double for Bryce Young. Sounds like Anthony Richardson might not even start as the quarterback, which makes a lot of sense because he's kind of not even a quarterback right now. Bryce Young, though, that would be fantastic. Not only for the whole, you know, if you're looking for that mobile quarterback to gush over, let's pick Bryce Young instead. But because the Bears get their pick. And if they win the Super Bowl, that would be fantastic. Give them pick 32. In fact, it would be hilarious if we have a a better pick with the the Rodgers trade than they get with the number one overall pick trade. But hey, man, Bryce Young, Miles Sanders, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen. They drafted uh, Jonathan Mingo. I know we already went through this team already, but I'm just saying, never know. Um, then Houston acquired Cleveland's pick. Cleveland traded first and fourth round selections with Houston alongside 2022 first and fourth round selections, blah, blah, blah. That was in the Deshaun Watson trade. So Houston have Cle- has Cleveland's pick, but Houston's pick went to Arizona. So the Bears got Carolina's pick. Houston does not have their own pick. They gave that to Arizona, but they do have Cleveland's pick. Those are the three current trades that have taken place in the first round in 2024. Obviously, there will be more to come. And as of right now, the Jets still have the Jets pick, but that remains to be seen how that's all going to pan out. As of right now, with him being the starting quarterback, that may as well be the Packers pick, unless and until he gets injured or something else takes place. And then finally, before we get started, a couple things I wanted to look at. Number one, Tankathon's current draft order as they have it would be 
Arizona, Arizona, Tampa, the Rams, the Colts, Washington, Atlanta, and then the Packers at eight, then Tennessee, Chicago from Carolina, then uh, Las Vegas, then Chicago again, which is their own pick, Denver, Patriots, Steelers, Vikings at 16, then Cleveland, which that pick went to Houston, and then the Chargers. So those would be all the non-playoff teams. The wild card losers, they've got the Saints at 19, then the Giants, the Lions, Miami, Jacksonville, and the Jets. Then for the divisional round losers, Seattle, Baltimore, Dallas, Buffalo, that's 25 through 28. Then 49ers, Bengals are 29 and 30. And then, of course, Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs, um, which makes sense. Those are no sense being entirely random and just here's what I'm guessing. Just just kind of go with what happened last year and slightly mix it up, I guess. Or in the case of the Bears, buy into the freaking hype and they go from number one to number 12 for nothing. Anyways, a couple other interesting ways I wanted to... Um, attack this actually first something else that i love the 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 packers and gutekunst have done a fantastic job over the last couple years i mean it's it it really is something because the packers have had a philosophy essentially of kind of being more or less all in not to the packer fans specifications necessarily but they've been irresponsible but yet despite that they have absolutely crushed it in regard to having just massive amounts of draft picks. It's been two years in a row, and that's not really going to change. As of right now, depending on where these things actually fall, the Packers have eight picks and have the third most value in the draft next year. Now, again, that's based on the Packers picking eighth, but still, the capital that they have, and and, and by the way, they have this as a second-round pick from the Jets, so let's let's call it about even, because let's say the Packers don't pick at eighth, but we get a first-round pick, it'll probably about balance out. So roughly the third highest value of any team in the draft next year. And that makes like three years in a row of just absolutely stocking up in the draft. And next year, we're actually going to have a good amount of money for the first time ever. So we got loads of draft picks and we're starting to get to the point where we have loads of money too. So anyways, that's the, uh, I guess that would be the general overview. And again, the, uh, the reality is that there aren't too many scenarios that are impossible, whether you're talking about what pick we get, what position we pick, and so really, what are we doing here? Kind of just looking at prospects, right? <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we can add context, but that's basically it. But all right, one last final thing before we get to that point. Um, I want to look at uh, some of the consensus picks right now for the Green Bay Packers. Not surprisingly, just just... Pause for a second and think to yourself, what position do you think everybody's drafting, mocking, to the Green Bay Packers? I'll give you a hint. It's the same freaking position that has been mocked to the Packers since the dawn of time. That may be changing a little bit. As of right now, it's still wide receiver. Um, If you look back at the most popular mocked player to the Green Bay Packers is Ohio State wide receiver Amika Igbuka. Which is not surprising. Every year, it seems there is going to be an elite Ohio State wide receiver coming out, and every year that player is going to be mocked to the Packers. However, more recently, the most popular pick for the Packers is offensive tackle J.C. Latham out of Alabama. We'll get there, but I just wanted to give you that before I forgot. But with that said, why don't we start with the first scenario? And the first scenario is probably one of the more unlikely scenarios but still a scenario that needs to be considered. And that is, Jordan Love was not only bad, but he was so bad that he, after just one year of playing, they decide, 
uh-uh, enough is enough. Slash, there's a chance he's good, but we're still within striking distance of guys that we think are mega elite, and so we're going to go ahead and draft him, okay? As of right now, and all of this is going to change without a doubt, every year there are guys that are considered elite of the elite that end up falling, and then there are guys that are kind of maybe not quite there that take a massive jump. But right now there are just two guys that are considered elite quarterbacks. The number one prospect in the entire draft that many of you are probably aware of is Caleb Williams, quarterback out of USC. Now, I'd like to say I was really early on Caleb Williams, but that's also kind of cheap because I basically just saw a highlight and thought, holy crap, what did I just watch? And that was pretty much the extent of it. And then everyone's like, oh, Caleb's so good. I'm like, dude, I knew that like four days ago, you idiot. But it's entirely possible that it's one of those situations where if I actually go watch him, which I'm not to that point yet, but we'll get there, I might not like him quite as much. But Caleb Williams last year, um, he was third in all of college football, or at least the 157 teams we have highlighted here, with 4,539 yards. He also threw 42 touchdowns, which was number one in college football, uh, with just five interceptions. So C.J. Stroud, for example, one less touchdown, one more interception. He had the um, fourth, high, actually tied for third highest PFF grade in all of college football. Number one was actually tied with Curtis Rourke out of Ohio and Clayton Toon out of Houston. Number two, Jordan Travis and Caleb Williams. Bryce Young was just slightly behind, but actually had a higher passing, passing grade because Caleb Williams actually has a higher rushing grade than Bryce Young does. So Caleb has all the sort of Pat Mahomesy kind of vibes to him, but also is like Aaron Rodgers careful with the ball. Out of 155 different quarterbacks that I have highlighted here, he had the 11th lowest turnover-worthy plays. Just 1.8% of his passes were potential turnovers. So again, we'll see. One of the things that I think kind of works to his advantage is that he's a little bit good at everything. And one of the things that I could see him slipping on is that at every single, in, in, in every department, you can find a better quarterback. He's not the best runner. He's only 6'1", 215. He's not, you know, 6'6", 230. Again, he's more of a Pat Mahomes athlete than he is a Anthony Richardson athlete. But dude is just calm, cool, and collected under pressure and makes magic happen. And there are guys that'll do that. They'll, they'll have the highlights of making those magic throws, but you don't usually see it with the, the overall success as well as the very low-end, you know, turnover-worthy plays type stuff. Guys doing off-his-back foot sidearm passes and doesn't have interceptions. That's Aaron Rodgers stuff. The other guy is Drake May. Um, big question mark for me just because we're talking about one year, right? He played... 13 snaps at North Carolina in 2021, then 2022, elite, 91.5 grade, 90.8 passing grade, 4,300 yards, 37 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I'm a little bit torn on the guy. I think his, his touch and his accuracy looks beautiful, but he just doesn't seem as smooth. He doesn't seem as confident, and I do not like his throwing motion. A little bit too long of a windup. Justin Fields struggles with that, and it's caused a lot of problems. It's also one of those things that there's no guarantee that's just going to get fixed. I know Aaron Rodgers fixed it and some other people have fixed it, but some people don't fix it. He's also a bigger guy. He doesn't run quite as well. He looks kind of a little bit on the slower side, but he's a bigger dude. He's six foot four, two 220 pounds. So 
These are the two big quarterbacks, and as of right now, if you're not in the top three, you might not get either one of them. Some of the other people in contention, Quinn Ewers, he's considered right now a back-of-the-first-round guy. He was a massively big name at one point in time, and that's just never really materialized. But he only played one year, and he, let's see, what did he play? Essentially 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 games of college football ever. Missed a bunch of time. He could absolutely explode and be uh, a top prospect. The others, uh, J.J. McCarthy, he is flying up the boards out of Michigan. Bo Nix out of Oregon. Michael Penix, Washington. Spencer Rattler, K.J. Jefferson, blah, blah, blah. But again, as of right now, if we're thinking quarterback, it's Caleb Williams or Drake May. So that is scenario one. Jordan Love is so unbelievably bad, he's not even going to get a second chance. Next question or scenario. Is there any chance that we're talking running back for the Green Bay Packers? My, my immediate thought was no, but it's worth very, very vaguely or very quickly exploring. And the only way that I see it happening is um, A.J. Dillon proves this year that he is not the answer to anything, and Aaron Jones is going out the door. In addition to that, Jordan Love looks good. The wide receivers look and tight ends look good. You know, we've got a lot of stuff going on that look good, but we want to be a really good running team. We don't really have a good running back, and we need it addressed. The other reason why this is possible is because right now there's only one guy that's considered a first-round prospect, and it's a back of the first round. So the the overall scenario is Jordan Love, the receivers, everything looks kind of solid right now. Like, we, we were in the playoffs, and we are kind of a late first-round pick. Plus, we get the Jets pick. So we maybe get two picks here. So one of them, maybe let's say our second one, or we could just say it was the Jets pick, whatever. It doesn't matter. The second one would be the running back. But anyways, that running back's name is Travion Henderson out of Ohio State. And having watched very little of uh, Travion Henderson, I feel confident that I can sum him up in two words. Dalvin Cook. I don't know why. I mean, I I, I kind of know why. His inability to stay on his own two feet. But... (laughs) Similar, uh, similar height, weight, maybe speed. I don't know. Probably speed. That what was uh, what was his speed? Oh no, Dalvin was probably significantly slower. Four four nine was his speed coming out. Still, that's gonna be that's what I'm saying. He's Dalvin Cook. So if you want the Packers to draft Dalvin Cook, then take a look at uh, Travion Henderson. A couple other guys. In fact, all five of these guys are moving up the boards rapidly. Travion Henderson is one of those. He's moved up nine spots, up to twenty seven. Raheem Sanders out of Arkansas has moved up 13 spots to 33, so he is knocking on the door of the first round. Then, most Packers fans are Badger fans, Braylon Allen, he's moved up seven spots to 45. Blake Corum out of Michigan moved up four spots to 46, and Will Shipley, running back out of Clemson, has moved up 19 spots to 48. So there's five guys right on that uh, late first, early second round range to pay attention to. Uh, Raheem Rocket Sanders, which I don't know why they call him Rocket. I mean, he's got some wheels for a bigger guy, but it's a weird name for kind of a more built back. But six foot two, two 221 pounds. If you want that dual backfield of just big boys, this would probably be the route to go. He kind of reminds me of A.J. Dillon a little bit, just not quite as big. Braylon Allen is actually bigger, six foot two, 235. Not surprising for a Wisconsin guy. I actually think uh, Rocket and Braylon Allen are very similar. Braylon Allen, just again, very quick analysis. Better tackle breaker, which makes sense. He's a bigger dude. But I kind of like Sanders as a runner a little bit more. I know Badger fans are going to get mad at me. 
But the, the biggest thing is, oh, he's 19 years old. That's crazy. The biggest thing is when, when both of these guys make a cut, Raheem is real fast cut and real fast go. Braylon has a little bit more of like a, I don't know, and uh, go, as opposed to just bip go. It's not a visual thing, okay? So I got to make sound effects. Shut up. Uh, Will Shipley, and yes, I skipped one, and that's for a reason. 5'11", 205. Shipley, I think, has got some real nice vision, and when he sees that hole, he's, he gets going fast. He's not exactly a Christian McCaffrey, but there's almost sort of an Alvin Kamara-ness to him. There's the patience, and he waits, and then when he sees it, he just goes. But the one I wanted to save for last is Blake Corum. The reason I wanted to save him for last is um, last year, Bijan Robinson, as good as he was, had the second highest rushing grade in college football with a 96.1. Blake Corum had a 96.2. And that really wasn't that unusual because in 2021, he had a 91.1 rushing grade. So it's basically been two years of him just freaking dominating everything. With that said, I see he's listed at 5'8", 210. I'm pretty sure he's 5'4", 170 pounds. Um, the announcer said Michigan uh, got a touchdown, and I, I could have swore in my head he said Midget got a touchdown. I was like, well, that's rude. He's a, he's a tiny guy. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break right here? We'll come back. We'll look at some of the other uh, offensive pieces, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, etc. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. All right, so wide receiver, um, last year was not the greatest wide receiver class. This year is pretty solid. Now, I'm going to be pretty depressed if one of the biggest needs we have is wide receiver, specifically if one of these top 10-ish, top 15-ish picks needs to be the pick. I'm not saying I'm going to be upset about a top 10 wide receiver necessarily, just that what it implies about Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Jaden Reed, specifically Christian Watson and Jaden Reed, would be a little bit sad. But the top two wide receivers, not surprisingly, are both Ohio State guys. Maybe the highest I've ever seen a wide receiver get um, ranked is second, and that's where he's at. It's quarterback, wide receiver, quarterback right now, and the wide receiver is Marvin Harrison Jr. Harrison was actually the highest graded wide receiver in college football last year. He was the only one with a 90 PFF grade, 90.2. He had an 89.9 receiving grade, 85 drop grade, 1,263 yards, 16.4 yards per reception, and 14 touchdowns. Listed at six foot three, 205 pounds. Um, the only sort of question mark is the fact that 2021 did not see, I mean, he, he didn't have, he didn't play nearly as much, but we're talking about one year. Right? We've seen one year before from guys like Derek Stingley, and uh, although I think he's actually playing kind of well in the NFL. But the point is, guys fall because that one year doesn't necessarily stay quite as high. Uh, beside that, if we just look at some of his game-to-game -game grades, 91, 85, 85, 82, 80, that's all fantastic, 70, 70, 69, 68, 68, 65, 63, 58. So only about half of his games were good or better via PFF, right? So 
you know, it, it's nitpicky, but you're telling me this guy's the greatest wide receiver prospect since freaking Calvin Johnson. I've got a couple questions is all I'm saying. Now, with that said, again, little bit that I've watched of him, my favorite attribute of just about any player at any position, but probably especially wide receiver, is guys that make playing football look easy. And I will say, I don't think I've ever seen a wide receiver make football look this easy. The way he catches the football, it's just like an afterthought. It's so smooth. It's so effortless. It's kind of stupid. But we'll leave it at that. Um, Number two, and again, very unlikely we're in a situation where we're drafting Marvin Harrison in the top five. Unlikely we're top five, and if we are, it's unlikely we go wide receiver. So Marvin Harrison will go somewhere else. Hopefully not in the NFC North. After that is the guy that's very commonly mocked to the Packers because they're sitting at about eight. Uh, Amika Igbuka is sitting at uh consensus number nine right now very similar size 6'1 205 83.7 receiving grade um probably a little bit more consistent actually than marvin harrison although he had two games that were or at least one game that was just kind of bad which i don't think harrison had any bad games well, i think his name is Emeka. see i i specifically went and found a guy that said his name so that i could say it right and the freaking guy said his name wrong like, oh yeah, we're going to do a film breakdown. I'm like, okay, so this guy's watched a lot of film. He knows how to say his name. Nope, he didn't. Anyways, um, he's sort of seen right now as a top 10 wide receiver. We'll see how that all pans out when this kind of comes down the pike. I think it's entirely possible that he is. Uh, again, he's graded out very well by Ohio State if he does it again. Um, I could certainly see him in that sort of Olave range, possibly even better, probably better. But again, how likely is it the Packers are drafting top 10 and are looking for a wide receiver? Not maybe as much as other positions. Now, a little bit more realistic are the next three guys. And, and the fourth one is kind of far down the list, so it's not worth mentioning that he's a second-round pick. We've got Xavier Worthy, wide receiver out of Texas. He's consensus 14. Rome, uh, Rome Odunze, and then Malik Neighbors. I think this is at least somewhat possible. Unlikely but possible. If Jordan Love is kind of in a spot where, let's say, uh, the tight ends look pretty good, the running back situation's fine, the offensive line is fine, but, you know, we, 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 we kind of feel confident that maybe we have one wide receiver and not much else, I think it's possible. Because again, remember, as much as, oh yeah, we never draft wide receivers, blah, 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 yeah, just like we never get linebackers, we never draft old guys, we never, 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 shut it. The goal is going to be build around Jordan Love. And this is also especially true if the defense actually looks quite good, because now we're looking at offense, and what are the options? Probably not running back, probably not tight end, probably not interior offensive line, so what? Tackle and wide receiver. That's about it. Uh, Xavier Worthy, we'll we'll see what he kind of weighs in at when the draft rolls around, and if he even, you know, declares, because he actually graded out not super great last year. His grades actually went down, and he's listed at 163 pounds. So I'm not even entirely sure why he's considered a top 14 pick. 757 yards, 69 PFF grade, 6'1", 163. I can't really find one redeemable quality here. So I'm borderline ready to scratch him off. Sometimes there's some weird names here until people actually start looking and, you know. He had a better 2021, which maybe pushed him up. I don't know. Uh, Romo Dunze had uh, two subpar years at Washington, kind of had a breakout year. Year three, 1,145 yards, 15.3 yards per reception, seven touchdowns, 79 
receiving grade, six foot three, two hundred one. So he's not necessarily massively built, but obviously six foot three kind of fits something that Gutekunst would probably like. Oh, I think I figured out what the uh, Xavier Worthy thing is all about. He's expected to run in the four twos, so that's probably the only thing, and I don't really care. But then you got Malik Neighbors, six foot one ninety five, seventy seven receiving grade. You know. Again, we'll see. We'll see if they can kind of take an additional step, but none of this is massively exciting. If you're talking mid to early first round picks, I can't imagine we're talking 160 pound guys and two like decently graded, decently sized, decent production type wide receivers. So I'll leave it at it's possible, but it just feels even more and more unlikely. We got to see if anybody else emerges. Uh, (laughs) Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson is listed as a wide receiver and apparently is supposedly runs like a, in the 4-4s. Florida State wide receiver, currently um, 50th prospect. The only reason I, I bring him up is because he stands out a little bit at six foot seven, 235 pounds. If we're going to call that guy a wide receiver, I only see one guy picking him, and that's going to be Brian Gutekunst, and it probably will be in the first round. <laughs> if he really does run a 4-4-2 that they have him projected at, at 6'7", 235, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Whatever, he's a tight end. But all right, I, I'm going to officially skip tight end and focus on probably the most important position, if we're being real about this, for the Green Bay Packers, and that's offensive tackle. Now, you can clearly make a case that it doesn't have to be that way. If they wanted to, they could move Elton Jenkins to left tackle, Zach Tom at right tackle, done deal. Now, you've got a vacancy on the interior you got to figure out, and considering most Packer fans are not content with the interior as it is, I don't know that that's everybody's favorite thing. Um, I don't particularly care for the idea of Yash Nyman holding down right tackle and Zach Tom going to left. So it, I, there are options, but I think the best option is looking to the draft. And fortunately, there are quite a few decent options all within the... Um, relatively early part of the draft. So one of the guys that was considered at one point one of the best in the entire draft that has since fallen is Joe Alt. He's not currently the top tackle anymore, but at one point he was a top five, considered a top five prospect. But six foot seven, 313 pounds, and the man has never played a snap outside a left tackle. He does skew a little bit more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, at least he did last year, which is not exactly what the Packers are looking for. Not that they would mind a good run blocker, but if you're going to be elite at something and that something is run blocking, then the Packers probably don't view you as elite. They view you for what you are as a pass blocker, and he's a very good pass blocker. He's an elite run blocker. And again, the other thing that's a negative is the lack of flexibility. Now, I'm not saying the Packers would refuse, but they covet guys that have played other positions they cover covet pass blocking he is currently considered um the 11th best prospect in the draft the current number one is olu fashanu um now olu fashanu looks exactly like a packers offensive lineman not necessarily in terms of his flexibility but he is josh myers and john runyon he um in two years, and he didn't really play much in 2021, so 2022 was kind of his first year, but strictly a left tackle. Again, obviously covet more versatility than that. He actually hasn't played a ton at all. Um, he played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in 2022, and then, I don't know, two in 2021, basically. But anyways, 
His run blocking grade is a 59. Pass blocking is an 85. He is just a pass blocker. But he is 6'6", 321 pounds. Athleticism for days. So I, I, I think his whole thing is he is a technician. Very athletic. Very, very um, intelligent and crafty when it comes to pass blocking. But I think run blocking is just its own animal. And I don't really think he's refined that part of his game. Then we get to the actual current most mocked player to the Green Bay Packers, and that is J.C. Latham, six foot six, three hundred and twenty-six pounds, out of Alabama. Now Latham is actually a right guard who converted to right tackle. He was a right guard in Alabama, had a seventy-eight run blocking grade, fifty-three pass blocking grade. Then he went to full-time right tackle in 2022, 71 run blocking grade, 85 pass blocking grade. Didn't give up a single sack, only one hit, 11 hurries. Um, really solid. In fact, all three of these guys, I think, had about an 85 pass blocking grade. I think, I think that was almost exactly what all three of them had. But the distinguishing feature of Latham, which actually does make a lot of sense, aside from the fact that we're probably looking more for a right tackle, not that we couldn't move somebody, I mean a left tackle, but um, you've got the versatility, right? He played guard, he played tackle, primarily a pass blocker, more so than run blocker, but also decent run blocking acumen. Comes from Alabama, big program. Packers seem to care a lot about, especially in the first round, getting these big programs. So I think if you were to ask me, as of right now, this second, tackle would be the position that would make the most sense. Not just because of the situation we're likely going to be in, but probably where we're going to be picking. I think even if we are picking in the top 10, tackle makes the most sense. If we're picking, you know, between 10 and 15, that's right where these guys are. If we're picking in the 20s, I think we're, we could very easily move up and grab somebody. Probably wouldn't even need to use the other first round pick, depending on where in the 20s. The question though is, who makes the most sense? I think Latham maybe does, but the right side thing is, is not super great. You could just say, hey, we got Elton at left, we got JC at right, and we know that we're good. The problem is, I think then we basically just lost Zach Tom. I don't buy that he's an interior guy anywhere. So Zach Tom would have to go to left tackle, and I don't know that that's a certainty. I don't even know if it's a certainty he can play tackle, period. But I would, I would just feel more comfortable getting a guy that for sure could play left tackle, and that would be, of the guys we talked about so far, Joe Alt or uh, Fashanu. And then between those two... Alt kind of makes the most sense. Yes, he's more of a run blocker, but again, they both have about the same pass blocking grade. However, it really seems like Fashanu, I'm guessing if you were to ask people just based on what I've read and what I've heard, again, he's sort of seen as the pass blocking technician of the group. And obviously the Packers are going to prioritize protecting Jordan Love. There is one other tackle. Uh, he's currently seen as uh, the 31st overall prospect. I don't know that I buy he's going to stay there. Um, that's Kingsley Swamut. Uh, Swamataya, offensive tackle out of BYU. Couple things. Number one, I'm helmet scouting. There's always a BYU guy, and he always seems to be a second rounder, at least in terms of projection. And then beyond that, just looking at his grades, eh. But six foot six, 330 pounds. He's also a right side guy, although he did play 11 snaps at left tackle last year. It's entirely possible he takes another step. 80 pass blocking grades, 74 run blocking, and um, I guess he wasn't that inconsistent. Pass blocking, he wasn't. So Latham is just a better version of Kingsley, in my opinion. But again, if you're looking for a left tackle, I think you got Joe Alt or Olu Fashanu. And for whatever reason, I, I, I understand the Latham thing, but Fashanu just feels right to me. 
And then finally, uh, the last thing I want to look at is interior. Really not a lot of options as per usual, but as I said, if we did feel kind of comfortable with the guys we had playing tackle and really wanted to shore up this interior, um, there at least at this time is considered one option. And of course, he's out of Ohio State. Donovan Jackson, six foot four, 300 pounds, uh, currently listed as a left guard. Now, I know I'm the only Packer fan in the world that keeps banging this drum, but I don't mind this because, again, I really believe the best two tackles on our team, not named David Bakhtiari, are Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom. Zach Tom has been playing right tackle. Elton Jenkins has already said he's much better on the left side. I know most people are like, well, he was bad, and then he became real good when he moved uh, inside. No, he was bad when he came back from injury, and then he got acclimated into things later in the season while he was at left guard. The year prior, 2021, he played tackle and was very good at it. He was one of the best tackles in football, so I'm not worried about his ability to play tackle, especially a guy that's already said he prefers the left side, and he was playing at a high level on the right side as a tackle. Now, massive question marks on my part that Donovan Jackson is going to stay a first-round prospect. I don't know how a guy with a 60 pass blocking grade um, ends up staying where he is, but in 2021, he was really high, whatever. Some other potential options that could climb Cedric, Cedric Van Pran out of Georgia. He is purely a center, which I know a lot of people would be fine about getting rid of Josh Myers. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe he could play guard, whatever. I don't know. Looking at some of these other names, I think people are just guessing because <laughs> Bryce Foster is considered the third best interior guy, and he had like a 20 pass blocking grade. So I, yeah, I think people are just, they're just looking at big programs and guessing names. An actual option to keep an eye on might be somebody who jumped up 84 spots, which again, People are just starting to look, and they just discovered him, and guess what? He's actually pretty good at stuff. Um, out of West Virginia, Zach Frazier. He had a 81 run blocking grade, a 79 pass blocking grade, and he's done that two years in a row, so he's very consistent. He's played left guard and center, so he's got the versatility, um, can play at least anywhere on the interior of the offensive line, and has had two years of playing lots and lots of snaps. He's played 2,400 snaps over three years and has graded out really well over the last two years. So unlikely we take an interior guy in the first round, especially as far as I'm concerned, there really isn't one. Maybe, again, Van Pran or Frazier or somebody else can push their way in over time. I don't think Donovan Jackson stays a first-round pick. Bryce Foster is a freaking joke. But that would sort of be the question. What is it we want to do with the offensive line? And obviously we've, we've we got to see how things pan out. We don't know 100% Bakhtiari's gone after this year, but I think most of us are assuming it. I really strongly believe John Runyon and Josh Myers stay exactly where they are. I think the Packers would prefer to keep Elton Jenkins at left guard if they can, but I also think it's unlikely that we're going to have a better option at left tackle after David Bakhtiari leaves than Elton Jenkins. And then really the big question is Zach Tom. If he can play as a solid tackle, and, and playing at right tackle, and he's comfortable there, and everything's fine, and there's no talk about maybe moving him or whatever, the easiest thing we can do, just draft a left tackle. Get the best pass-blocking left tackle you can get, which in my mind is going to be Fashanu, and just try to make it as seamless as can be. The other cool thing about Fashanu is, I was watching some of the uh, some breakdowns of his stuff or whatever, and an offensive line guy was looking at it, and he was like, this guy is, is playing with NFL-savvy, like veteran intelligence-type stuff. So you want a guy that's going to plug in day one and be ready to be a tackle? I think it's Fashanu. If you want to mess around, maybe move Zach Tom to left tackle. That kind of opens up your options a little bit. You can still do any of the offensive tackles that you want, but um, 
In addition to Fashanu and Alt, you can look at Latham or possibly Suomataya or however you want to handle that. But look, the, the bottom line is quarterback is unlikely. Running back is unlikely. Wide receiver is unlikely. Tight end is unlikely. Interior offensive line is unlikely. Tackle is likely. Now, defensively, and we'll look at that tomorrow, defensively is a whole different thing. But as far as the offense goes, even though we're a million miles away from next year and you can make a case for any of those positions, I just think they're all really unlikely aside from tackle. And again, not a terrible tackle group, at least so far. These things change. Joe Alt's already fallen by, but for all I know, he'll be a second rounder uh, by this time or, you know, by March of next year. By the way, if I was asked to throw in another name that could potentially be a first rounder that isn't at this time, it would be Amarius Mims, offensive tackle out of Georgia. Six foot seven, 330 pound right tackle who jumped from a 60 passing grade as a rookie to an 80 pass blocking grade in his sophomore season. And he still really hasn't played all that much. That would be the guy to keep an eye on. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. My brain is fried. I've watched a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff on a lot of guys. It's been fun though. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.